Welcome to episode 143 of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, a totally free and independent podcast that is made by fans for fans where the content is always absolutely free. And as we say every week, guys, it's not just the podcast that we have here at Jersnet, but if you head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk, you can also find a lot of great content, including articles, discussions, uh, the, the, the very, very friendly forum, uh, as well as a, a wonderful history archive. So please do join us and get involved over at the website. Um, if it's your first time joining us on the podcast, then welcome. Please do give us a like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on iTunes, Acast, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, and also Spotify. It's just gone half past nine on the 1st of August. If you're joining us live on YouTube, then please do give us your questions and your comments. We'll get to as many of those as we can. If you're not joining us live, then the podcast is always available for download first thing on a Monday morning. My name's Ross Bennett. I'm going to be your host this afternoon. Uh, and joining us on the stream this evening, we've got uh, a couple of new faces and one very, very old face. Um, I'll let you decide which one is which. Um, the first things first, as I've just insulted him, I, I don't feel that bad for insulting him because uh, just before we come on air there, he described himself as Jesnes resident arsehole. Um, so it's a very warm welcome once again to Alec Anderson. Alec, how are you this evening? Um, absolutely fantastic, Ross. Glad to be back, sir. And uh, yeah, uh, after you and your... Your esteemed colleague, Mr Armstrong, talking about clearing the rust off your rings. It's uh, We're going to need to get this conversation away from the, the, the bottom half where Celtic will find themselves if they, if they continue in this vein this season, especially as we've got a couple of, uh, you know, kind of cultured, respectable guests on tonight. So um, <laughs> I'll let you introduce them and then you and I can discuss how we recover from our... From Absolutely. Some of the it's fine. Episode 143, the listeners know what they're getting by now, I'm sure. Um... Right, joining us for the for the first time this evening, um, very, very pleased to, to welcome along Patrick Caskey. Patrick, thank you for joining us. How are you feeling about making your, your Chairsnet debut tonight? Oh, thank you for having me. Hopefully the first of many um, guest, ex- guest appearances. Uh, it's probably the best time to come on after a good win yesterday, some good football. Even today, the Hibs Motherwell game was great and Aberdeen the game was also interesting, but a Rangers win and a Celtic loss is probably good means to go on by for the season, and hopefully that precedes all my appearances. Absolutely, absolutely. If it's uh, if, if these are the results that you're going to be bringing along, then yeah, you're you're, you're very welcome every single time. Uh, and another new face joining us this afternoon. We're very very um, happy to kind of bring this back. We, we did it a couple of times last season uh, through through the Europa League. Feels a little bit more prestigious now that we're doing it for Champions League previews. I'm very, very pleased to be joined by Joseph Ladden from uh, a sports journalist with Afton Gladet, which is a major newspaper over in Sweden. Joseph, thank you very, very much for giving up your time this evening. Is this your first appearance on a, a Scottish football podcast? First of all, thank you. And yeah, it is uh, a pleasure to, to, to be here. And uh, thanks uh, once again for the invitation. No, um, I, I guess it's, it's better to have a, a local or a native who, who actually knows what, what they're talking about rather than than me and Alec trying to guess what Malmo players are like. I mean, having judged from Patrick's Twitter feed, he's already done a huge amount of research, but um, myself and Alec, we'd have had a, a wee guess at what was coming up. I guess the first question, Joseph, we'll, we'll start by, by looking ahead to, to Malmo because there's no need for you to, to waste your whole evening sitting chatting to us. But No problem. Would you, would you be able to just give us a, a, a little bit of insight into the, the system that, that Malmo are likely to play and, and the kind of challenge that a team that Rangers are facing this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, of course. Uh, it's, it's interesting also in times of timing as well because we just got our left back. I, I will say we now, of course, to, to all the listeners to, to, be, to be able to, to understand who I'm talking about. Uh, Malmo just got uh, Jonas Knudsen 
uh, left wing uh, left back uh, injured uh, went off on, in the game against Degerfoss after half an hour and hasn't hasn't been um, back in training since then. Uh, Jonas is is actually the only left back uh, Malmö has and has a specialty of very very long typical British throw-ins and has an effective method and ha- has actually scored not him but providing assists to our other centre back uh, Anel Ahmed Hodzic uh, for creating uh, creating chances uh, in the offensive uh, in the top uh, third tier of of the of the pitch and also creating chances on on throw-ins from basically from the mid mid way line or midfield line. So that's an offensive threat that uh, Rangers uh, will. I mean, it's a big win to to lose that in that sense, uh, and that also makes uh, the formation uh, in the back change a bit. We since uh, Jonas got injured, Malmo has played uh, with three centre backs in the back, uh, consi- and also two wing backs uh, left and right, uh, with taking uh, with taking more defensive responsibility. Uh, in uh, when Malmo has possession of the ball in the in the defensive field, so uh, maybe an unusual and maybe very bad time to change for Malmo from playing from from four uh, four backs to three backs and uh, with, uh, with with the wing backs taking maybe more defensive uh, defensive responsibility uh, than they are used to, and also since since on, there's only one left back, they take the the guy that usually plays right back and taking him to the left side because he's two footed, uh, Erik Larsson, and uh, that means that Felix Beimo uh, will be an uh, an option to to play wing back if you wing a Barriet, the old Celtic player, uh, the former Celtic player does not uh, be is not fit to to play. It's it's very uncommon that he is, but uh, you can always have that in mind. So. Uh, with that said, uh, creative uh, creative player in the middle, uh, Anders Christiansen, the captain, number ten, uh, vital for for the offensive uh, part of of Malmö's uh, Malmö's chances and and creating plays, uh, and also in good uh, combination with Antonio Cholak, the striker, number nine, a tall, physical guy from uh, from the Balkans, from Croatia, but uh, originally from Croatia, but born and raised in Germany. So he has both the combination of uh, the Balkan temper and uh, the German uh, German discipline and tactics. So he's a very well well schooled player, and to be to be honest, he's too good for the Swedish league um, in terms of of quality. He uh, went, he was sold from Rijeka in Croatia after scoring uh, over twenty goals one season to uh, Pauk in Greece. Uh, played the first two games, then the change of coach and got to the bench. So he's loaned in during this season and uh, has scored, I think, in 11 games, seven or eight goals right now, uh, including the the kind of mid-season games that really don't count. But he's in a good uh, good um, scoring flow right now. So Anders Christiansen, Antonio Cholak, and in the back, uh, maybe playing his last games, uh, last game for Malmö, maybe last games if the, the agreement has been made uh, over uh, the... The second round also, or the second um, the second game against Rangers. But Anel Ahmed Hodzic, uh, tall, physical, um, centre-back, very young, very talented national player from Bosnia. And uh, one of the, the biggest talents that has come through the ranks of, of Malmö in some way. He actually, he went to Nottingham uh, and played for, for Forest uh, at the age of 15, uh, came back. 
had a rough first season, was loaned out to Denmark to the second league, came back and has been uh, absolutely amazing since that. Um, will be sold probably. Uh, there have been rumors circling from February and so on uh, about him joining Atalanta and becoming the, the, next, uh, the next maybe young top player for them uh, from abroad uh, with a price fee between 7 and 9 million euros. So that's a massive sale uh, for, a, for a Swedish player in general, not only, only for a young player and especially not from, for a centre-back. So to identify three key players and the style of play, uh, Anna Lakhmedhojic in the back, uh, Anders Christiansen in the midfield or playing as a, as a number 10 and uh, Antonio Cholak as a striker. Okay, super. So it sounds like some very uh, potent creative threats um, and, uh, and I guess a strong spine to the team then. Exactly. I know that in Sweden, your league kicks off a lot earlier than ours is, and I think, I think you're already quite a decent chunk into the new season. How has that been, been going for Malmo so far? Uh, in terms of European competition, very good. Uh, since uh, the Swedish league is not uh, as highly ranked as maybe the Danish, uh, to compare, uh, that the since we are in mid-season, in, in maybe in July, uh, the, in the first qualifying rounds, the second and the third, both in Europa League and Champions League, it has, it has been proven useful because to take two examples um, from two different uh, opponents uh, at Celtic, Celtic Park, Malmö was basically beaten to death in the first 20 minutes and then uh, came back through uh, two goals coming out of nowhere in the first game and then in the return game in Malmö. Things were totally different. The same thing happened against uh, Red Bull Salzburg uh, twice. First game away in Austria, uh, horrible. Didn't even cross the, the midway line for 55, 60 minutes. Scored a goal from nowhere and then uh, turned it around in front of a wild uh, crowd at home. So uh, that will be. That's also one thing because people have that in mind when playing big games such as against Rangers like this time. So. Playing in the first game at home, not optimal. Uh, add uh, add the pandemic to that and restricted viewers and so on. So, it's it, it won't be the same thing. But I, I promise you that the five thousand five hundred attending will be, uh, let's say, very vocal and very creative <laughs> with what they will uh, in what terms they for what terms they will use to to the Rangers players. Well, I think. Uh... And it's probably something that doesn't intimidate Rangers players too much. Nah, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> but still. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully when when when, uh, when the return leg comes and, and now we'll come to, to Glasgow, I mean, we should have larger numbers. We had, what was it, 20, uh, 20 23,000, I think, at, at our game yesterday. So mm. thankfully we're, we're pushing on with the numbers getting back in stands and, and we're hopeful that that can give us an, a, bit, a bit of mm. an advantage. I guess the, the final question that I had for you, Joseph, was... Mm. What's what's the general feeling in, in Sweden? I mean, I guess you could compare the, the national football leagues of, of, of Sweden, of, of, sorry, the Premier Football Leagues of Sweden and Scotland, arguably a, a relatively similar standard. Um, two big clubs with, with European aspirations want to get to the group stage. Um, like you, you, know, you referenced that Malmö beat Rangers 11 years ago and, and, and knocked it out of Europe at that point. Um, what's the feeling in Sweden? Are the fans confident that, that, that Malmö will get a result? Or is, you know, I mean, I guess as well, if you look at Rangers' European record over the last three seasons, we've, we've beaten some big clubs, we've done well, we've, we've knocked out 
the likes of Galatasaray in, in qualifiers. We've um, we've beaten clubs like Porto in, in Europa League group stages. We've gone to places like Benfica and got good results. Um, what are what are the, the Swedish fans think this one? Uh, I think Malmö fans in general they are very um, how to say spoiled with European competitions. We passed through the, the group stages in Europa League twice, uh, especially beating Copenhagen. Uh, which was a, a, a victory itself uh, and stating as kind of a, where the status of the, the two clubs in, in Scandinavian football right now. But I think the people are, I mean, if you're objective enough, uh, people are aware of that Rangers in, is no way near the same situation it is today than it was in 2011. Uh, as we were, as we spoke before, uh, before the, the show that, uh, lots, of, lots of things have happened. Uh, the club was actually falling apart by itself, uh, not only on the pitch but also off the pitch mainly. And the the, the restructure and and everything that's happened around Rangers has made it a a force to 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 count with in in these terms. So I think that people are expecting a very very physical game, very tight game, a very maybe 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 even too rough in some terms uh we have the, we have in mind uh, um, against Salzburg also after i think it was 15 seconds uh Marcus Rosenberg former captain uh, tackled a player out of the sidelines up on the stands and just screamed at him like welcome to Malmö so i think it will be something something in that terms but to be to be fair over two games uh, i think it will be a, a very tight game in Malmö maybe even a draw uh, depending on on uh, different circumstances, of course, but when it comes to to the return leg in Glasgow in front of uh, your home audience and uh, and all all things considered, uh, I think that over two games that that Rangers will advance. Unfortunately. Well, Alec, what do you what do you have to say to that? I mean, can you maybe give give Joseph a bit of a feeling as to how Rangers fans are feeling ahead of this? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, things are going so well for us uh, just now. Um, but we're still really, I, I feel as if we're still kind of basking in the uh, 55 and, and getting that league title um, that, that we needed for so long. And it was a really strange situation for us. Um, I think we're almost, almost like a Liverpool light scenario where we were doing fantastically in Europe under Steven Gerrard, um, season on season. And yet, at the back of our mind, we had this thing. It was the type we had to win this league title just so we could finally, you know, put a line under all those problems that, that Josip's uh, aware of, that they're aware of all over the world uh, that, that happened to a, a massive club like Rangers. Um, and I, my only fear is that just it's just a kind of fatalistic thing that we <laughs> haven't got that out of the way. We now feel that uh, that's it. We're ready. To, we're ready to take this next step up. You know, we're, we're beating Real Madrid in a friendly. We're, we're, we're signing a guy from Manchester United who wants to come to our B team. You know, um, it just it feels like almost everything's going so kind of swimmingly uh, just now that this would be just just like the thing if we if we slipped up. I'm sure Stephen Gerrard has them super prepared uh, for, for the for the whole scenario. We would never let that happen, uh, but. I I would I wonder Josip how how would you obviously know Danish football really well I I keep thinking about the Mitchelland we, we played Mitchelland a couple of seasons ago in, in a Europa League uh, qualifier and it was the same kind of feeling I had about that game this could be this is really dangerous for Rangers we really need to be on the ball and we came out of it fantastically well um, there's nothing like the atmosphere at Mitchelland that there would be even with five thousand five hundred people um, in, in in the Malmo Stadion. How do you think 
Mitchelland compare with Malmo. I'm not just bringing this up because they, they put Celtic out uh, in, in the last round. That doesn't prove anything. Um, I, I just to give Rangers fans an idea uh, of what we'll be facing um, on Tuesday night. Yeah, uh, very very good uh, question and also very good uh, parallel to make uh, because Mitchelland and Malmo have played uh, both training games and uh, I think one qualifier game to Europa League as well in the playoffs. Yeah, correct. And two very, very tight games that were decided basically on, on individual quality from, from former captain Marcus Rosenberg. So I think that's a, it's a, how do you say, it's a, it's a thing to have in mind, maybe, uh, but also, but also uh, in terms of quality and bringing all these other things in, uh, in, into consideration, like the, or the crowd, uh, the, the whole uh, aura or um, vibe around the club, uh, between uh, in, compared to to Mitjylland and, and Malmo, there's two different things because we call both the Danish some Danish teams and the Swedish teams call Mitjylland a project because it's some some sort of fun for the for the owner of of Brentford. So it, it's not really. I mean, they have results. They make results in Europe. They're a good team, uh, very strong and physical on the pitch, and and also with good technique. But it's it's not real in that sense that the people feel something about it like passion or or from the stands or supporters or or anything it's a bit plastic feeling about about the whole thing but in terms of quality very similar and uh, and a good a good reference to to have in mind yeah because i think i mean obviously yeah malmo fantastic history and that and that believes i mean one of the you know, as you as you can see, I'm uh, far older than anybody here in this uh, on this podcast. Um, and I, I remember the 1979 European Cup final, Malmo against Forest, against Nottingham Forest. Um, and by the way, Rangers, I think, did Malmo a few favours in that tournament, putting out Juventus, putting out PSV Eindhoven. You know, <laughs> um, but we uh, we we bought Robert Pritz off you, so that was that was fine. We got what. We got a reward for it, but um, do you think are, are Malmo or Malmo fans seeing themselves as favourites for this tie because of you know obviously Rangers have got to like four European finals, Malmo have got to the big one. Is there a feeling that because you're kind of well into your season and you have a track record, uh, you beat us ten years ago, you beat Celtic in the playoffs, and you absolutely hammered Hibs, uh, which we quite enjoyed as well. Um, is there a feeling that you guys are favourites? Uh, to be fair, no, because we we are very well aware of the, as I told Ross before, also that we are very well aware of the situation that Rangers in now and what it was back then. So we have uttermost respect for the team, uh, for the club, for uh, the manager, of course, and for everything that has happened through these maybe five, ten years uh, over in, in Glasgow. But still, we we are aware that we have managed to. Uh, beat uh, teams in in the in the quality of Rangers, maybe even higher sometimes in in other aspects, in other tournaments, in other constellations. But I think that we are also aware that the quality of this team, uh, given the the names that I've mentioned before, that it, it's not quite as good as the teams from maybe 2014, 2015 was with Rosenberg, with Erik Erik on then playing in the national team, Philip Helander, of course. Um, Pontus Jansson uh, that was way back we uh, before that but also in, in that um, time that time space uh, Magnus Eriksson I mean players that have be, had great careers after that as well so I think that with that top 
um, spine we have or the, the quality of the, the, the spine in the team that we will make, uh, we will, I think the, the game will be um, tight, very, very tight and decisive on, on the individual quality on either side. I mean, I looked when, when the, the draw was made, I looked through the, 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 the team roster of, of uh, Rangers and was quite impressed that, I mean, the st- some of the names are still, still active and still, still performing and having results uh, so, like such as Jermaine Defoe and so on. But still, I mean, there, there's a proven quality. There's a top quality manager. Uh, you have, as you said yourself, uh, you, you just reached your, your uh, league title uh, for the first time in a very long time. There's a hype around the club. The fans are very active. So I think that you have to have that in consideration as well. So uh, from a, from a, to be in the European terms of, of bookmaking, I think it is uh, maybe 60-40 to Rangers in this case. I, uh, my day job is that I work in a gambling company. So 60-40 for me, that sounds okay. I'll take that. Um, listen, Joseph, we've taken up far too much of your time, but, but everything that you've had to say has been, has been really, really interesting and really insightful. So uh, for, from myself and, and I'm sure from Patrick and Alec as well, um, thank you so much for coming on and, and, and giving us your, your insight. And um, yeah, I, I'd like to say best of luck ahead of Tuesday, but I wouldn't mean it. Um, but yeah, I mean, w- whatever happens, no hard feelings. And, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much once again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the invitation. And uh, likewise to you, uh, Ross, Patrick, Stuart and Alex. Take care. Thank you, Joseph. Thanks. Bye-bye. Smashing. So now that he's, uh, now that he's headed off, we can actually talk about how we're going to pump Malmo on Tuesday, which is very exciting. Patrick, um, I know that obviously he, he referenced, Joseph referenced there three key players for Malmo, three, three danger men. Uh, Anno, oh, I'm going to get the pronunciations absolutely dreadful here, but Anno Amadozic, uh, Anders Christensen and, and Antonio Cholak up front. Now, I think you've done a little bit of research or analysis into these three and, and maybe how they stack up against um, counterparts at, at Rangers. What are your, your thoughts on, on the dangers that they pose? Yeah, so I looked... A staggered approach. When the draw was made, a small size Ibrox, I have a sort of um, tactical preview of the game. But in terms of the three of them, Amadodzic in a stylistic terms is probably most similar to Goldson. They're both ball playing, um, progressive right centre backs, right footed, who enjoy to go out. I think if there was a Scottish comparison, he's kind of got the on-ball qualities of Chris Iyer, and he also does have the defensive frailties as well. He's only 22, I think. Um, Joseph mentioned he was going to Atalanta, and a lot of that is what he will become. He's a, obviously a good player, especially at Osvenskan level, but the reason he's going to go for 7 or 9 million euros or whatever it was is because of his age and um, how good he is at passing. But he is a bit light in the air which you can get it, um, you can really hit Malmo at because I think they've conceded 31 goals this season and 14 of them have been from crosses, 12 of them being headers. So, I mean, whether you get Cedric Ritson in or if somehow Morales is back for the second leg, they'll sort of be frothing at the mouth of the idea in which almost 50% of a team's goals are coming from out wide. Um, in terms of Christiansen, his numbers profile quite similar to Aribo's. Um, he scores a lot and gets a lot of assists. He's a top quality midfielder and um, without doing Malmo any disservice, he's probably too good for them. But he's at the point in his in his career, I think he's 32 now, that um, it's much like some of the players we have at Rangers. Um, they're settling in, they found a home. They probably could go another level, but um, he's kind of seeing it out in Sweden and playing really well. 
he's good. And in Cholak, I think Josip said he is also too good for Sweden. And I would, I think the data corroborates that. I would agree with that. He's pr- probably um, sort of a what if guy because obviously he did really well at Rijeka and Malmo he's probably above. But my sort of looking at him, I think he's a top striker, but he is in a tier below some of the strikers we've faced. When we faced Benfica, Darwin Nunes, the Benfica striker who got two against us when he came on, he is a top quality striker and above what Cholak offers. It, quite funnily, Cholak's named, his nickname in Croatia was the Rujevica, uh, Diego Costa. So they think he's quite like Diego Costa, so he's an angry guy. Um, but I'm sure all of our centre-backs have plenty of practice dealing with uh, an annoying striker up top with Morelos. But I think, expect him if Malmo are going to get anything out of the tie, um, Cholak will drag it through them. He'll drag them through the tie. But I think they're three good players, but nothing to fear. I mean, obviously respect. That's sort of the nature of football. You respect everyone, especially if they're top quality, like some of their players are. But Rangers will have faced better individual talents and will have nullified better individual talents. So I think it's cause, um, there's cause to be optimistic, but we should be cautious. But you know, I think I think having a, an approach of respect but not fear, particularly like you say, given the the, the ties that we've come through and the players that we faced, Darwin Nunes at, at Benfica. Um, I, mean, I mean, Falcao was playing for Galatasaray, was not when we when we qualified against them. We have we have faced some some top quality football players in the last three seasons. Um, yeah, respect, not fear. The, the the thing that gives me a little bit of anxiety is that they're thirteen games into their season. Um, and I, you know, we'll come on to talk about them in, in just a moment. Um, but we weren't as fluid or as precise, I think, as we could have been. And that's probably because it's game one of the season and that's, that's fine. But uh, that's, that's where I see a little bit of an imbalance there. But yeah, I think um, definitely, definitely cause for us to, to be optimistic. I'm very, very much looking forward to it. Obviously, the games on, uh, on Tuesday evening is the first leg and then the return leg the following week. Um, if that's not whetted your appetite in Tuesday, I, I don't know what will. Right, gents, before we before we move on to talk about Livingston, uh, I'm just going to have a quick word for one of our partners here at Chairsnet, which is www.footballprizes.co.uk. As always, they run um, fantastic raffles and sweepstakes for um, some really unique football memorabilia. At the moment, they are uh, holding a raffle for a signed and framed Stephen Gerrard Rangers shirt. As always, a maximum of 99 is available to buy. I think something like 14 or 15 have gone at the time we're recording this podcast. There will be a live draw on the 6th of August, which is this next coming Friday. Um, so please do head over to their website at footballprizes.co.uk for your chance to win. You can also have a look on the, the Jersnet Twitter feed, which is uh, at Jersnet Online, and find the link there. Right, so moving away from, uh, from the glamour of Europe to the grit of Livingston, uh, the... the, the, the Domestic campaign started for us uh, yesterday, obviously, with, with the visit of Livingston. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say that for an opening day of the season, probably couldn't have gone much better. Um, a very, very enjoyable day for us for us yesterday. But Alec, going back to the, um, the start of Livingston game yesterday, the starting lineup to me had a couple of surprises, um, or, or maybe not necessarily first 11 choices, you know, with the likes of Calvin Bassey, John McLaughlin. Um, did that surprise you at all to see a little bit of rotation already in the season or do you think we maybe have one eye on Tuesday? Hey, I was fully expecting the manager to have one eye on Tuesday but I must admit I think like most people I was quite surprised um, that Alan McGregor wasn't in goal so that was the one that that was the one that really stood out for me and um, that's absolutely I mean, you just it's one of those by the end of the game you're thinking yeah well 
we've reduced Livingston haven't had a single shot on target. So why would the manager um, put Al McGregor out there? Um, I know John, John McLaughlin's got a fantastic uh, clean sheet record, um, but I think you can see yesterday that a lot of that's down to um, the games that he's that he's picked to, to play in. Um, no, I'm just trying to work out. I think we're, we're getting to a lovely stage. I think like July, right up until including yesterday, has been the month of the squad. You know, what's getting getting minutes in guys' legs? Um, who are we signing? Who's going to be staying here? Who's arrived back from holiday or not? You know, we're, we're trying to find out what we've got and uh, we're, trying to, we're trying to maximise, you know, everything that we do have with an eye on uh, Europe, uh, with an eye on Tuesday night. Uh, I think August, our first match of August, it's, it's, it's business. I'm not disrespecting Livingston yesterday. We, we obviously have to go off to a flyer. Um, but I'm actually finding it quite hard. Some, I'm, I'm coming down, there's a, there's a few areas I'm not really sure who is the first choice. You know, and I think that's a, a bit, obviously, well, McGregor, you know, you, you know who that is. Um, but you're, the manager's talking, you're, you're thinking Scott Wright's on the bench because Scott Wright is a, is a, is a new player. He's, he's still being developed. But some of the things Stevie G was saying after the game, and you think he only had to he came on because had you get injured, so it was it was almost sounds as if Scott Wright was was being supposed to be saved for Tuesday night. So um, I think we're in a lovely position where uh, maybe Calvin Bassey, you're thinking, okay, he's he's absolutely a reserve player. He's he's absolutely in instead of uh, Borna, who's getting rested for for, for Tuesday, but. Um, no, I, I even he, I thought he, he took a lot of flack uh, online, what have you, for his for his kind of a few bad crosses, um, Calvin. But I thought he actually had a, a tremendous game uh, all around in terms of the shape of the team and the, and the, the momentum and what he, what he did for us. So no, I wasn't surprised there was changes. I might be surprised by one of the two of the changes, but uh, all in all, I thought we, we 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 played really well and there was enough kind of first team talent on the pitch. You know, Steve Davis, if you thought anybody's going to get rested, we keep doing this. We keep thinking Steve Davis is going to be the guy because of his age. He's going to get rested and he just he's, he's playing all the time and he got better as the game went on yesterday. So uh, I've stopped guessing and I'm just I'm just loving trusting a manager that we trust Stephen Gerrard. Yeah, absolutely. I got slaughtered last week when I suggested that Steve Davis would, I phrased it really badly, I said that he would struggle for game time. And I never meant that in the sense of like, he's not good enough and other people are better. I'm in that in the sense of we've got so many options now that he can be rested, he can have one eye on, on, on his age and his fitness and things like that. But you just, you never need to question the man. He's um, yeah. he, he's absolutely timeless. He really is. Patrick, I'm really glad that Alec mentioned Calvin Bassey there because um, I've really enjoyed watching Calvin Bassey throughout pre-season and I was, I was actually pleased to see him start yesterday. Um, as Alec says, one or two crosses... There more than one or two crosses went awry and, and were overhit, but he certainly brings an energy, um, a lot of forward momentum, and uh, if nothing else, he's an absolute unit. The guy, what's your impression of Calvin Bassey through pre season and, and the role that he might play this year? I think probably the greatest compliment you can pay him is that until he gets into the final third, you would have trouble sort of. Um, differentiating between either Tavernier or Barisic, which is a compliment in which those are two elite fullbacks who are clear of the rest of Scotland and could do a shift probably in any of the top five leagues. I mean, you've seen the perhaps dubious links from Tavernier and Barisic outwards, like Tavernier to Man United. But I think Baris, uh, Bassi, in comparison to Barisic, um, obviously 
two different careers, different ages, different profiles, and really serve different positions. But Bassi on the ball is dynamic. He almost has a winger-like tendency in which he moves his hips quick. He's able to run quick. He's a physical pest for anyone, effectively. I think in terms of an actual athlete, he's probably the best in our squad, you could say. But um, I think definitely he needs to work on his final ball. But I think that's just nitpicking. Uh, I think it is the gaffer's decision to get him in against Livingston, I think, was smart in the fact that you can waste a few good balls. It's it's not a practice match because it is obviously the first match of the season. And he had preseason to practice everything and he has time on the training pitch. But he's afforded a few more mistakes against Livingston, knowing the fact that we'll have 75% possession. We'll put in 19 shots to their one. And that it's not a guilt-edged chance that Bassi needs to put in one ball and someone needs to get on the end of it. Whereas Malmo on Tuesday is that sort of proposition in which we might dominate as well, which I would expect us to, but um, every goal will count because it's a two-leg game as opposed to a 38-league game season. But I was encouraged by the rotation, and I think it shows the utmost faith in him, that this was the first game with over 50% of fans. So a lot of people, for probably the first game in which Ibrox sounds back to normal, and it's the first game of the new season reigning champions, and he has the faith to put it in Tabassi, who didn't play much last season. Um, it shows that there's a good team chemistry in the background and it's also an example to the other people like Stephen Kelly or Nathan Patterson that um, regardless of what you, the expectations are going into the match, that there is a chance that youth will be picked and also means for oppositions, you don't, you're not quite sure who's going to play. It's a, a comment and a compliment to the depth of the squad that Ross Wilson and Jared have required as to now. I think that's a really, really good point actually is um, if you're an opposition manager, you're completely unable to predict the, the, the players that you're going to be lining up against. And, and whether that's... Another good example, actually, is Balogun and Hollander at centre-half. And Goldson nailed on uh, to, to start. But Balogun and Hollander have been very, very different things, um, in, in my opinion, as, as a centre-half. And uh, it must be a nightmare to try and predict that and then find a way to set up against that. Um, Livingston, in my opinion, completely failed to offer any kind of attacking threat and, and, and didn't really have any intent to, to go and have a go, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think that's a really, really good point that the, the strength in depth is not just about us being able to rotate or cover for injuries, um, but it's also enough to, to really affect the other team's preparation, which is such an important position to be in. Um, and again, into the game itself, uh, a, a relatively fast start and uh, a goal for Yanis Hadji after about eight minutes. Um, had you been speaking before the game about how he felt that he wanted to improve his numbers, he was happy with his assists, but he wanted to get more goals this season. It certainly didn't take him long to do so. Um, fairly kamikaze defending from Livingston, in my opinion. But what did you what did you make of the goal? Yeah, spot on. You, you couldn't help remembering uh, what had you been saying. It just felt like two seconds earlier. Um, well, I, I watched the game on Sky. Apologies, Rangers TV, bit of a traitor, but I watched the game on Sky um, just to see the to see the, the title sequence, you know, coming up. And finally, it ends with where they go through all the SPFL teams, the Premiership teams, and finally it ends with Tav lifting the trophy. That was just it was just lovely. Another another. We didn't lift the, the flag yesterday, but there was so many little things happening. Um, that were that were kind of reminiscent of a celebration, still an ongoing celebration of last season. Even to see Derek McInnes, the man who devastated me at the time by not coming, I thought that I'll never recover from this. And there he is, up in the gantry, Eastern Closure, stuck in a corner at Eastern Closure, just talking about how great Rangers are and how he can't get a job. Um, 
it was fantastic. Bruce Anderson, the guy who equalised against us, and then you know in injury time and his first and Stephen Gerrard's first league game you know, three years ago, I think he managed to get a wee foul in corner on Goldson yesterday, and that was as that was as much of a touch as he got. And the way we started, it just seemed it was an ongoing celebration. The, the momentum from last season was carrying right on. Um, Hadji set up that goal. I mean, he, he held off the, the young uh, guy from Liverpool, uh, the, the left back uh, for Livingston, who seemed to be overly psyched. You know, I don't know, but he just he gave away a stupid foul because Hadji just held him off, cool as you like. Um, Tav then sets up, it took, took ages to get the free kick set up. And Hadji just drifts right across to the, the back post. And Livingston just don't, they, they, they don't get set up right. They see somebody, somebody points to him, there you go, you take him. No point to Hadji, nobody takes him. Uh, but what a touch. He just kills it. A great, great ball from Tav. That's him yesterday's two assists already, first game of the season um, for Tav from our captain. Um, he puts it right on a, a fantastic ball right across the top of the defence and it just kind of lasers it onto uh, Hadji's left and he does his thing. Hadji, I know it took a nick in the way in, but he, he just about every goal Hadji scores for us, he cuts across himself. You know, he just takes it and cuts it across himself. Um, I immediately thought I need to think of a clever tweet for this, you know, when we're all looking at the, the Livingston defenders going the wrong way. So I put up, yeah, uh, Hadji sends the whole uh, Newtown the wrong way. Um, and then I noticed that 38 seconds earlier, one Stuart Weir had posted exactly the same thing. So I thought I'd better get it off or he'll be, he'll be suing me for plagiarism. Um, so, no, it was fantastic. We just, he finished it off. And we then have those couple of, we then go through and goal a couple of times and it's looking like it's one of those moments you see in football we're either going to be three nothing up or we're not going to get that goal. And I know Hadji uh, is injury um from that same psyched up left back. Um that that maybe killed momentum, but I think that kind of killed momentum and it was almost like, yeah, we kinda of need this. We almost need this to kind of keep the feet on the ground, kind of psychologically. Um, and we then it became a, a kind of war of attrition, and, uh, and and we won that, and then went 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 to town on him again in the last in the last ten minutes. But yeah, it was a fantastic start, and I was so happy for him, and I just really hope he's he's okay for Tuesday. I guess that's that's the next question. Then Patrick is, is that he does get this injury. Um, seems like he did. He tried to carry on for a, a few minutes, but he's been pulled um, pulled off it. Uh, you know, halfway through the first half, and and, and Scott Wright gets brought on. Yanis Hadji, for me, has been impressive in Europe. I've enjoyed watching him play in Europe. Does it give you concern, considering how busy the month of, of August is going to be for Rangers that has been right for some time? Or are you, again, do we go back to the coverage that we have in the squad and we say, well, Scott Wright, done very, very well. Um, we should be okay. Well, I think it depends on outgoings. Um, if you, we have quite a lot of... Uh, perhaps dead rid of the wings, Barker, Jones, who could be on their way and probably should. But if Hadji is unable to play, I mean, what? I think he continued for 10 minutes and I'm no doctor, but I think if it was a serious problem, he would have been stretched off or at least he would have hobbled off. But he seemingly tried to navigate it, but for a losing battle, eventually gave in. Um, but no, I think it's fine because I think Aribo um, can play uh, in the right of the front three, uh, cutting on his left. Um, beyond that, it's Scott Wright as well. But um, Fashion Sakala, uh, though best uh, as a striker, especially in a pair, does often play right wing, um, especially at Spartak Moscow. Uh, not so much in a stand base, but he can play on the wing. Roof can play on the wing as well. I don't think necessarily that August proves the same sort of fixture congestion nightmare that uh, a January would. But I think it's always good to have your best players available. But I, necessarily, I don't think Hadji would start 
every single game. I like Hadji a lot. Probably one of my favorite Rangers players on and off the pitch, really a personable guy. But I don't think it's the sort of problem it could have been a few years ago if our starting right wing um, was injured. I think given the nature of the depth, uh, we're in a good situation, even though it's never good to lose a starting player or even a squad player. We're in the situation in which the, the hit is minimal. And I, adding on, I don't think he would have played on Tuesday um, anyway, because when I've been watching Malmo, they play really high wing, uh, wing backs in which there's a lot of space to get behind for long balls. And the one main, major criticism Rihaji as a winger is he lacks the sort of cutting edge pace in which I can't or write my offer. So I think it's, if it's a small injury, then it's just a minor inconvenience, but it'll depend what the physio team provides us, like what the timeout is. But I don't think it should be anything crazy. Knock on wood. I, I, I guess that brings us then, Patrick, to the next question, which is, which is Scott Wright. Um, Scott Wright comes on, gets an hour, scores an absolutely wonderful finish. Um, the goal, uh, I mean, Alec referenced earlier the Michelin game. I don't know if either of you remember the goal that Nikola Katic scored out in Denmark. Um, this was kind of a, a more glamorous version of that. It was an absolutely stunning finish. So Patrick, he's he's come on. He's um, not had his necessarily his best performance. But he gets a wonderful goal. Um, this we, we've spoken a number of times on the podcast about Scott Wright and how none of us really expected this kind of signing. But through preseason and again getting his goal yesterday, he's really showing himself to have a lot of potential. What kind of a season do you anticipate this guy having for us? Well, I think it's completely down to the sort of minutes he gets. I mean, if he's sort of makes his claim and stakes his place in the first 11, I would expect him. Obviously, Ryan Kent is not a barometer in which is fair to compare Scott Wright to. Um, not just because Scott, Ryan Kent is a fantastic player, but also because Scott Wright, albeit has been at the club for, what let's say, eight months now, um, having the ability to train, which is quite noticeable. When you look at his physique, it's almost Bayern Munich-esque in which he's sort of upgraded and become... Um, a European standard player who just looking at the physique, he can compete with people. But I think given the nature, um, if he does well, I, I think numbers, I wouldn't, I don't want to put an arbitrary target for numbers to put out for him because I'll just be putting on unnecessary pressure on my behalf. But um, I think if he is able to fit in and in, and then we don't see a massive drop-off in a symmetrical nature in which our left, if our right wing just sort of looks like our left wing in terms of Kent's output, I think we should be happy. Because um, the worst thing can be a lopsided, uh, one-dimensional attack in which you'll always go down the left. But if Scott Wright can provide half the threat Kent does, um, that will help himself and Kent even more so. And that's what I would hope. Yeah, absolutely. Alec, how about yourself? How impressed have you been with, uh, with Scott Wright and his goal yesterday? Yeah, it was a lovely goal, lovely finish. I think that's going back to what we were saying earlier um, about uh, Calvin Bassey. Uh, when Scott Wright came on, come on, he had a couple of heavy touches uh, straight away. I think it was a chance Balogun had just come up to half time. He could have he could have slotted uh, Joe Aribo through quite easily, put too much on the ball. Calvin Bassey, I think he's getting getting compared to Barisic's kind of scalpel of the left foot. You know, it, 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 it was kind of it was going on him. This is what this is why it wasn't really, we weren't really kind of going two or three up before half time. Whereas I think all, everybody was really having a kind of a little lull um, after maybe about, you know kind of quarter of an hour, twenty minutes, um, and nobody was really completing the, the passes that they should. Uh, and I think Scott Wright seemed to kind of he went into that when he came on. He kind of went into that mold as well. A couple of heavy touches, but he then 
I, I don't know Patrick uh, what Patrick will think um, about this, and I, I have to tell uh, the listeners that before I but uh, before we come on air, uh, I was introduced to Patrick and uh, Josip from Athenbloody as a, an expert. I, I know little facts like Malmo and Manchester City are the only teams to lose the European Cup Champions League final wearing light blue jerseys and white shorts. You know, Patrick's just given us the actual rundown of <laughs> every Malmo player, and uh, I'm scared. I'm scared to say anything now about Rangers. Never mind. Uh, never mind Malmo. The guy. The guy's so. The guy's so on it. Um, but I thought Ryan Kent was spending too much time on the right. And I don't know if he was being asked to target this. Um, is it Lewis, the chap, um, the left back, who was on the booking? Could easily have been a red card for his 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 attack, his tackle on or assault on uh, Hadji. I don't know if we would been asked to target him and get him a second yellow because I mean Stephen Gerrard will know him. I think Stephen Gerrard coached him um, in, in the youth setup uh, at Anfield. This this Livingston left back uh, eventually went off anyway in fifty fifth minute and we had a hammy. And I feel as if we. We kind of when when John Lundstrom came on, he slowly got everything moving again. He got, got he got the tempo up. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and then when um, Ruth came on, just to kind of kind of finish it, suddenly we just had too many options uh, for Livingston to cope with. And obviously our fitness was fantastic because we just stepped it up a gear uh, as well. We had that in the tank. We got ourselves going again. Um, but I think Scott Wright was 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 part of that kind of thing where he was slowly making more penetrating runs. He was he was never losing his sharpness. He was coming back, taking the ball off defenders when defenders weren't expecting it, uh, taking the ball off Livy players when they weren't expecting it. Um, even though we, we seemed to struggle to add a second goal for like 71 minutes, there was stuff going on where I think Rangers have shown this uh, ability to not panic. I mean, the number of games we won by a single goal last season, you know, when we were all panicking watching it, but Rangers were never troubled. And I think the same thing came into play yesterday. Um, a lot of stuff was going on, but it was like uh, Ryan Kent was trying to wear down on the, on the right-hand side, I would really want to see him over on the left. You know, Glenn Kamara was spending too much time uh, in the right as well. I like to see him kind of more over to the left. Uh, but whatever we were doing, there was no player out there who wasn't doing his utmost or wasn't doing wasn't doing a professional job with full confidence that we're going to see it through. And maybe it's just my imagination, but I feel having 55 in the bag, having that league title there, that is, it's just given us that extra dimension of confidence and patience that, that, that you get from, from, from champions. You know, and Scott Wright played right into that. His goal, I think it summed it up that there were so many players in the box at that point. Uh, so many Livingston players in the box and you couldn't see, and, and two of them were right on top of him when the ball eventually broke to him and you couldn't see where he was, you couldn't see a shot until he lit up the path to go with his shot. It showed you, it showed you that little tunnel that he was that he was putting it down. But one thing I just want to mention, um, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, it was, we had a little, there was an injury, uh, Livingston were taking another player off, there was a water break and everybody, I loved it, Rangers players went over to the side to get the water and Stephen Gerrard was out talking to everybody. Jermaine Defoe was out talking to Roof about striking coaching. Um, Tom Culshaw was out there. I don't know, he was he was berating, sort of get, really getting the, the message across. But I noticed Gary McAllister pointing vigorously down to the corner between the... He's talking to um, James Tavernier, who I thought had a great game. But he's saying to him, he just kept pointing to the bottom corner between the, the Copeland and the main stand. And he just said, that corner... I don't know what he's saying, but it's that corner... And it's just after that we get the ball and Tav goes and he's going to, he's kind of maybe 10 yards from the, the byline and he's going to whip it in. But he sells the dummy and he pushes on down to the byline and he skips inside. Now I would love to believe that was Gary McAllister telling me, no, Tav can, can do that. But it just felt that 
with such control and everybody from the coaching staff to the players and I thought the fans were fantastic yesterday as well. It just it just felt that it was it was always coming and for Scott Wright to get to get the goal um, and, and just show that our squad is is deepening, I thought was was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, but Patrick, two debuts yesterday for Rangers in in, in Ashley's Cal and John Lundstrom. So Cal started and, and Lundstrom came on partly through the second half so we never got to see a full 90 minutes from from either of them but personally I didn't think Sakala had a lot of joy I thought he didn't get maybe a, a lot a great deal of service I mean he then started to maybe drift a wee bit wider to try and get involved in the game and would be forgiven if he was a wee bit frustrated coming up because it never quite clicked for him whereas I thought John Lundstrom came on and brought a new energy into the game really raised some new life into it which, which was great to see what did you make of, of their performances um, I definitely would agree with your take on Sakala. I think if you look at both passes made and passes received, I think Sakala was involved in, I think it was 29, which is, uh, strikers are naturally low, but you'd think someone who's on their debut would want to see the ball a lot. But I, I don't think it's concerning at all. I think he was good against Real Madrid. I think this game didn't suit his sort of style, albeit Livingston are one of the, um, I guess you call good good teams in the nature in which they don't sit back and do two blocks of five um, or rather two blocks of five in front of the penalty area. They do at least like to play a bit of football, but um, I think he more so than Lundstrom will need to get settled. I know he's come from Belgium. It's a linguistic and cultural difference. Whereas Lundstrom's come from Sheffield or more Liverpudlian is where he's from. So I think there's external factors in which we can't really blame him for. And also it's, it's, I think it's his second game and he hasn't been training that long, but I, with Lundstrom, I wouldn't blame anyone when the signing was made, um, who is a bit lukewarm on him. I mean, if you look at the sample size he has in the English Premier League, it's Less than impressive, but then again, um, that's the English Premier League where he'll be taking on the likes of Bruno Fernandes and Kevin De Bruyne at centre mid. Well, as when he comes to Scotland, he'll have to deal with like Ian Horrocks and Ilkay Dermas. So it's it's a different sort of ball game. But I was surprised Lundstrom didn't get the 90, considering that Kamara won't be playing for us in the qualification stage in Europe. But um, I maybe that might have something to do with fitness sort of staggering minutes and legs but I'm, I'm unsure but when he did come on he was um encouraging i think that's the best way to put it he played a really nice ball left-footed which inevitably was offside to roof but it showed a nice passing range if we're gonna make a summary of a player on 30 minutes i think he looks like a good addition um perhaps breaking into the starting 11 depending on sort of the dynamic of our sentiments because we probably have five six if it includes stephen kelly who all could claim to want to play at least like 15 20 games a season so it'll be interesting to see how much he does play and if he doesn't play much it won't be due to a lack of ability but just um ability around him which is in abundance apparently now which is fantastic yeah no absolutely i was i was really encouraged that um there was one moment from lundstrom where i had a little bit of a heart and mouth which is when he laid the ball back to kamara which was you know 50 percent as hard as he should have hit it and kamara then has to really I mean, an incredible tackle. The amount of control he kept into that without, you know, I, I think a less cultured player would have gone in, studs up and, and, and taken a red card. But um, other than that, I, I remember the pass you're talking about, Patrick. He, he does, he sprays it right the left corner of the box for, for, for Kamaru, who was just a little bit offside. Patrick, sticking with yourself quickly, just on the third goal, um, you're clearly very sort of articulate and, and educated in, in how football works on that myself and Alex. So how is it possible that Kamar Roof, who was, by my count, the fourth furthest away player from the ball when it breaks, 
How did he nick in there and, and, and score that goal? Was that just sort of kamikaze defending from a Livingston perspective? I genuinely have no idea. It's the sort of thing in which the level of football I can play at, which is uh, nothing like incredibly low, in which I would be angry um, as uh, watching it. Uh, it was. It's obvious it was a lack of communication. It's the sort of idea in which a ball falls in the centre of, I think it was four Livingston defenders, and they're all unsure who's going to get it. It reminds me of, I play quite a lot of cricket, and when I was younger, it's the classic, no one calls mine or everyone calls mine, and people run in and hit each other. It's the idea that, oh, someone else will get it, so let's defer um, responsibility to someone else. But I think Roof did really well to go in and actively push for it because you couldn't blame... I mean, you could blame someone, but you wouldn't be surprised if a defender sees a block of four in front of him and is like, okay, it's a, it's a battle in which I have, what, 0.01% chance of winning. And if I do, uh, it'll just go right and hit one of them because they'll block a shot. But I think that's probably Martindale. The goal itself didn't make much of a difference because it was, what, in the 80, late 80s, mid 80s, and the tie was done. But Martindale will absolutely will have berated his players. It's the sort of thing in which is endemic of a team that lacks chemistry. To be fair, I think well, I was watching on Sky and they were making a big thing about how Livingston have 17 outs and ins this season and stuff. So it is sort of symptomatic of what you'd expect from uh, a new defence. I'm unsure of how many of them are new, but I know Obelaya came from Queen of the South and Adam Lewis came from Liverpool. But that's probably rust and a bit of lack of communication. If that was Rangers... Um, it would, I would be very disappointed and I think Livingston fans would agree because there's the idea of losing to Rangers, which I don't think is that bad for Livingston, um, losing 3-0 and you'd be you'd be not happy, but you'd accept if it was three fantastic goals, which the first one, maybe not amazing, was good. The second one, amazing, but you're disappointed if you're giving up that sort of goal um, to the champions. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think whatever level you're playing at, um, the four defenders, one of whom was was laid on the floor um, for no apparent reason. I mean, he didn't get back up after he was kind of knocked down during the challenge. Uh, left scratching their heads was um, yeah, pretty pretty embarrassing from their perspective. And well, David Martindale's a you know, gentle, articulate soul who I'm sure has never uh, caused too much grief for anyone. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried for them. Now, Alec, just to, to finish off, because I've, I've been very negligent in that time to get away from us here. Um, one thing that I would that I would like to, to talk about um, before the game, or the, the evening before the game, Tav, as Rangers captain, puts out a statement, I think it was phrased as an open letter to the fans, and it's on this issue of taking the knee. And taking the knee is something that has, has clearly been divisive, not necessarily within the Rangers family, the Rangers fan base, but Across football, um, we've seen uh, certain groups of fans, certain individual fans, booing that gesture at Euros games, uh, at, at English league games that, that I've seen down here in London as well. Um, and arguably, there was there was some of that at the Real Madrid game uh, last weekend. So Tav puts out this letter, kind of reiterating what the player's stance is, what they're going to do, and, and I think crucially why they're going to do it, that taking the knee to them is about standing against racism, making a, a symbol, a gesture, whatever you want to call it. It's not associated to any particular movement. It's not associated to any particular organisation and certainly not associated to any particular ideology. And he's been very clear in asking for the fans' respect um, and, and for the fans to stand behind the team given 
that, as, as he quite poignantly put, every um, uh, BAME player within Rangers at some point last season received some form of racist abuse. So he's clearly asked for the, the, the Rangers families to get behind the team. And when I was watching on Rangers TV yesterday, the players took the knee and the noise of the applause and the cheers and the support that came from the stands made me incredibly proud. Like sincerely, very, very proud and, and quite emotional. How did that whole kind of episode lead from him making that statement or writing that letter to the fans through to the moment that the Rangers players took the knee at, at um, 28 minutes past one yesterday lunchtime. How did that whole episode make you feel? Uh, heartbreaking that he had to write the letter in the first place, Ross. Um, I think one, th- and I'm a much much pettier subject by comparison. I was actually actually, actually reminded. I remember my season ticket. You spoke at the back of the govern. Uh, Alec McLeish. We knew Alec McLeish was leaving. Um, I think we played. Did we play Hibs? In the last, his, his last game at Ibrox, um, and there was talk, a lot of talk online about how I mean, any, any Rangers sport with any sense knew the financial situation that Alan McLeish was dealing with, the, the quality of uh, Martin O'Neill Celtic, um, and how he'd actually done really well to stop Celtic, you know, winning the title two times basically, um, and the great memories he gave us in, in cup competitions as well and in Europe. Um, but there was this underlying, the kind of knee-jerk loyal, the kind of I'm hardcore. He didn't do enough for me. He didn't win the league every single year, you know, with a, with a, with a long, unwinning record. He's gone, he'll be lucky not to get booed at Ibrox. There's no way I'm going to give that guy innovation. I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. And and it's very difficult when you're sitting, it's all very well saying, um, in theory, we're going to get, you know, I'll stand up for myself, I'll stand up for Alan McLeish. When you're standing next to some um, <laughs> Rangers, we've got a lot of big guys, support Rangers who, who like to go to it sharp. Um, it's quite difficult and I remember when the final whistle went Alan McLeish just kind of took a wee look towards the crowd as if to say am I allowed to do a wave am I allowed to say thank you and the whole place erupted and gave him a standard ovation and I burst into tears of relief for the for the innate decency the range of support coming through you know that, 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 and yesterday it was that times 100 I was so frightened that there would be anything and I think a lot of the stuff online before it a lot of people saying they weren't going to. Some people saying they're going to boo the players taking the knee, you know. Which I found, I found if if you saw Glenn Kamara's face, if you don't understand anything about race relations, if you saw Glenn Kamara's face, the genuine shock on the most unanimated, cool customer we have, and a guy who barely even you know shows any emotion when he scores a goal, and if we're occasionally does, if you didn't see what that meant to him, how it devastated him, and that didn't you know wake you up to how horrific it is to be a black man. And a white-dominated country being abused for your for your skin colour. Um, I, I I don't know what does, but I think it, it, it was lovely. It's it's one of those things you don't want to go OTT self congratulation because it's one of those things we just should do. As far as I'm concerned, there's a lot of people very keen to link it to um, Marxism and what have people who couldn't even tell what Marxism is. Um, there's a lot of people really breaking down why this is a bad thing, really going out their way to show why an act of self-subjugation, they take the knee. These guys are getting down on their knee asking you, please, can you realise, you know, what what we go through on a daily basis? And that's been, some people have decided that that's an act of aggression. And that itself just shows you what these guys are facing. Um, And I thought it was just a, it it was a massive relief, but it was also confirmation of what we know, that the range of support at large, the vast majority, um, are just bloody decent people 
you know, and, and a family that we're all we're all proud to belong to. And uh, the only colour we see is blue. And you guys, they guys are just it, it breaks my heart what's happened to them. What they went through last season was absolutely horrific. Um, and not just Rangers players, players of any club. We saw what happened with the, the, the poor England players um, at, at the Euros. Um, and I think there's a lot of societal issues, and I'm not using that as an excuse, that we, we don't have time to get into, that lead to people, people who have got, white people who have problems in their own life, we've all got problems, and they see anybody else getting any kind of attention as an attack on them. Um, there's a lot of confused, confused reasoning going on out there when you see this happening. But um, I thought the... The minute silence for Ali Dawson, who, you know, the first Rangers captain. Uh, I, I remember John Gregg left in the Scottish Cup in 78, but I was just a kid. At the time. I remember by, by 1981, I was kind of like 12, you know, 11, 12, and Ali Dawson left in the Scottish Cup meant the world to me. He played in the first European game I ever attended. Uh, and it was, it was, he was holding Kalheinz Rummenigge to account. You know, we, we beat Inter bloody Milan and uh, Ali Dawson never won a league title, but he kept Rangers. Steven Gerrard can't win a cup. Ali Dawson won plenty of cups for Rangers, um, and the minute silence uh, he got was was beautiful, so well deserved. And what followed after that was every bit as emotional. Made me every bit as proud to be a Ranger. I think that's a, a pretty good way to leave it. Um, I, I completely agree. It was yeah, a, a moment of genuine pride um, that as a as a fan base, as a support, as a collective, we. We are getting behind the players. It's about supporting the players who are expressing their right to um, to have a gesture, to have a symbol that that, that that highlights the struggle that they're facing. And for us, I think as a and, and by the way, I think that this is important. I don't need to go on about it. I don't. I think that this is important because maybe I'm being petty, maybe I'm being paranoid. I feel that there will have been so many people with the remote in their hand, turning the volume up, hoping to hear a boo hoping to hear us let ourselves down, and, and we didn't. And that says more about them than it says about us, but what it does say about us is that, uh, you know, well, like I say, absolutely bursting with pride at that moment. So, um, and, and yes, it's a shame that Tab had felt he had to make that statement, but what's come of it is good. What's come of it is, is noble, and it's, it, I think it's a really, really positive, positive time to be a Rangers fan, regardless of the results that we had yesterday, which were also incredibly positive, naturally. Gents, um, we, we've kind of ticked over the hour there, so it's, it's time for me to, to bring this to a close. I want to say a, a genuine massive thank you to, to Alec and to Patrick and, and also to Joseph who joined us earlier to, to look ahead to the Malmo game this, this coming week. Um, the podcast will be back next week. Uh, of course, we'll be looking ahead to the, the Dundee United game with a Friday preview show and then the, the, the main show will be back next Sunday as well um, where we will look back at the Malmo game, the Dundee United game and looking ahead to the return leg in Glasgow which is coming a week on Wednesday. Um, as I said at the start of the show, please do head over to the website at www.chairsnet.co.uk. Have a look through all the content we've got there. And if you're not joined up already, please do get signed up to the very friendly discussion forum. Um, until next time, thank you very, very much for joining us and have a great week.